Alright, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares some of our own winners in pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by absolutely no one, it's just me on my own, and I'm here to look at the September 2nd, 1996 episode of Nitro, and the September 6th, yes, you heard that right, Raw Friday from 1996 bit of an interesting one. Raw's been preempted two weeks in a row. Last episode on this timeline, we looked at Hardcore TV instead, but this week we've got Championship Friday for Raw, so we have something to compare it to, even if they weren't on the same night. Nitro that week drew a 4.3 rating. Raw, unfortunately, for this one, I can't seem to find a TV rating for. Um, I can't say I digged for hours and hours, so if I've missed it, I do apologize, but I don't think it's going to be higher than normal considering it's been moved to a Friday, but I could be wrong and feel free to prove me so on Twitter. I watched Raw first, so we're going to head over there and check out what Raw had to offer, even though it was on several days later. When you think of a great champion, then this man naturally comes to mind. Strong, beloved, courageous, unquestionably one of a kind. When you think of the quintessential champion, then this man is indeed the antithesis. Vulgar, vicious, despised, a lunatic on the fringe of magnificence. Like Shawn Michaels, he too exudes confidence. Like the champion, he too is a tremendous ring tactician. But his cherished battleground is his opponent's fragile psyche, a war zone where insecurity leads the mutiny and ego is shattered like a bull. Call him weird, repulsive, psychotic. After tonight, we may all have to call him champion so there you hear it little video package on sean michaels and gold dust who um will be challenging for sean's title tonight commentary team for this one is kevin kelly and jr which is a bit of an unusual one and we open up with triple h taking on sid in a first round match for the intercontinental title tournament um ahmed johnson obviously is vacated due to injury and the crowd are fucking hyped for sid they cannot wait to see him they are so pumped 96 97 sid was so over kevin kelly tells us that uh, mr perfect sorry has been stealing triple h's girls recently um early in the match it's all sid with power big Triple H comes back with a neck breaker and a knee drop for a two before walking into a one-arm choke slam, which was seriously impressive, and a power bomb for the one, two, three. And right on cue, Mr. Perfect comes out and steals away Hunter's valet once again as we go out to a commercial break. When we come back, we get a medical update on Ahmed Johnson, and JR tells us he's got some huge news coming up in the broadcast. Our next first round match is Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on Mark Miro. Brian Pillman comes out and joins the commentary team, and he says he has some news on Bret Hart. We have some chain wrestling and exchange of pins before Miro goes to a dropkick, and Brian Pillman says that he'll get Bret to In Your House for news on his return to the WWF. We go to a commercial. When we come back, Austin hits the hot shot for a two, misses his second rope elbow. Mero hits a top rope axe for a two and a knee lift for a two. And then as Mero comes charging in, Austin pulls the ref in front of him and takes a DQ loss. 
After the match, Austin gets a degree of revenge with a Stone Cold Stunner, but it's not sold properly, and they end up in a pull-apart later on, which made the move look a bit weak. We then go to our foot action slam of the week, and it was Sid's powerbomb from earlier on in the night. In the ring, Jerry Lawler calls out Mark Henry for an interview. Very early days here for Mark Henry. Um, he doesn't have a whole lot of skill on the mic. He initially declines a challenge for a match from Jerry Lawler, who goads him, and then he accepts. I'll splice a little bit of this in for everyone to have a listen to, but this is like day one Mark Henry. So we can't judge too much. He just really wasn't ready for TV yet, but they're trying to capitalize on the Olympic buzz. You know what I want to do? I want to challenge you to a match. No, no, wait a minute. You know what? See, because I know you haven't been drinking. No, hold on, hold on. Hold on now. Listen, no, no, listen to me. You don't know anything about wrestling. You don't know a wrist lock from a wristwatch, and I'm challenging you to a wrestling match. Do you understand that? Just like I told you, if you want to fight, bring it on. Ain't nothing but air and opportunity. Hold it. You don't seem to understand. No, you don't seem to understand, big guy. I'm not talking about a street fight. You didn't join the World Street Fighting Federation. You joined the World Wrestling Federation. And I'm challenging you to a wrestling match. You know, and these people know, that I've just recently signed, and I haven't had the proper work that I need. Being a professional athlete and an Olympian, I know when it's time for me to lift. And I know when it's time for me to wrestle. And I'm just not ready right now. But there'll be a day. Well, in other words, you're not ready because you haven't trained enough. You know what? I think you should have won a gold medal at the Olympics. You should have won a gold medal for being the biggest coward there. What? Oh, look at him ball up his fist. I think you're yellow if you want to accept it. Uh-oh. You want to wrestle? Do you want to wrestle? If you want to wrestle, you got it. You understand me? You want to wrestle? It's on. Yeah. Oh. So you're accepting my challenge to a wrestling match, huh? And I tell you what, when I'm done, you don't get one gold medal butt kick. All right, I think the King JR man really overstepped his bounds on this one. From there, we go to our next contest, which is Mankind taking on Alex the Pug Porto. JR, very early in this match, drops his bombshell news, and I can't do it justice, so sorry to check you out again so soon, but I'm going to splice this one in for you too. My heart sank when he said he had big news, and sure enough, my fears were confirmed, so check this one out. What a huge story that would be. Mankind and Alex the Pug Porto doing battle here in the squared circle. Mankind very aggressive. Coming off the ropes. Drives Porto down with an elbow. JR, can you repeat that again? I want to make sure I heard you correctly. Well, the, my sources tell me, and the sources, I've had them for years, and that is the fact that Big Daddy Cool Diesel and the bad guy Razor Ramon are without a doubt on their way back to the World Wrestling Federation. Wow. There you have it. Diesel and Razor Ramon are coming back to the WWF. I'm sure this won't be a bait and switch at all, and they've just managed to somehow get them out of their newly signed WCW contracts. Can't wait to see them back. Mankind hits an elbow. Um, We're told about Mankind and HBK at Mind Games, and this is probably one of the first... Like, not one of the first, but definitely one of the pay-per-views when I started this podcast was like, oh yeah, I'll get to watch Mind Games again. Can't watch, wait for that. So definitely pumped to watch this one. We see a running knee and a neck breaker. 
Um, JR also tells us in some less important news, which would turn out to be very important later on, that he had a meeting with Kurt Angle recently. Mankind locks on the mandible claw, and as you can probably guess, that's that. We then watch Sid have a tug of war with an elephant. Yep, you heard me correctly, Sid. Um, it's a gimmick for the Special Olympics, so he's there doing an event. They then hold a live event, and they do an autograph session. It actually looked really nice and very classy. Um, WBF has always done well with the Special Olympics, and this was no exception. We then come to Bob Backlund in the ring. Yeah, this is a bit of a baffling episode. It's all over the place. He brings out the Iron Sheik, who will mentor the next WWWF champion. Yes, they both add the extra W in. Sheik starts ranting and we go to commercial and don't actually meet who this guy is. So fuck knows what's going on there. I mean, we all know who they bring out, but this was a weird way to start that angle. When we come back, it's time for our main event. It's Goldust taking on Shawn Michaels. Goldust is out with Marlena and Shawn out with Jose Lothario. We get a promo inserted from The Undertaker before the match starts. Um, Him and Goldust will take each other on in a final curtain match at the pay-per-view. Sean is super over here, and we see a kid with a sweet blonde moulet dressed as Shawn Michaels. Actually, looks like 92 Shawn Michaels. It's not bad. Goldust tries to jump Michaels early, but Sean's too quick. JR gives a quick plug for Sean's um, Playgirl edition. Yep, that's definitely around this time. We see a hip toss. Goldust drops um, with his cool uppercut from the floor. He gets whipped to the corner and goes over to the outside where they brawl on the floor. Sean hits a suplex for a... Sorry, Goldust hits a suplex for a two as we go to commercial. We see Mankind backstage as JR keeps on harping on about Razor and Diesel. A double clothesline puts both men down before Sean comes back with his forearm, his kip up, a slam, and then a top rope crossbody, which Goldust rolls through for a two. We go to one more commercial. When we come back, Sean hits a top rope elbow and tunes up the man, but Marlena distracts. He escapes the curtain call, runs up the ropes, and hits a top rope moonsault for a 1-2-3. Mankind comes out to get the jump on him, but Sean escapes up the aisle. He is too quick for the heels on this evening. Overall, not a super memorable episode of Raw, but one that had nothing really bad on it as well. It was quite entertaining. Some of these Raws, they do breeze by at 45 minutes on the network if they're enjoyable. So, yeah, this one was a decent episode. As I said, nothing super noteworthy, but it wasn't a train wreck by any stretch of the imagination. So, interested to see how Nitro compares to this one. But for now, we're going to take our halftime break. For halftime today, I'm going to talk about some of my favorite, lesser-known celebrity involvement in wrestling. Um, or at least I don't think they get the mention that the big ones like Mike Tyson, Mr. T, Dennis Rodman, and even maybe William the Refrigerator Perry at WrestleMania 2 get. But some of my favorites include Kid Rock and Joe C appearing on Raw in 2000. Drew Carey at the Royal Rumble in 2001 cracks me up to this day. Uh, Macaulay Culkin appearing in the crowd at WrestleMania 7 and Gorilla Monsoon having no idea who he was. Chuck Norris at Survivor Series 94 protecting The Undertaker from all the heels after they'd all got him at the Rumble. Bob Barker, The Price is Right with Chris Jericho is hilarious to this day. And Vinnie Jones at Capital Carnage... Capital, capital carnage at the London, London Arena, I should say. Sorry. Um, Some of my favorite lesser-known wrestling appearances from celebrities. So if you've got any funny ones out there, send them my way. I'm always keen to chat about some of these weird off-topic things. But yeah, there's a few that just popped into my mind and popped me at the time. So I'd love to hear if you enjoyed any of those or if you've got any better ones out there. But for now, let's head over and check out Nitro. 
As you heard there, the NWO is still causing chaos, and just after I ended that clip, Tony Schiavone tells us about Ted DiBiase appearing in the crowd last week, and we're expected to find out what's happening with him this week. Our first matchup for the night is Alex Wright taking on DDP. This gets off to a pretty quick start with Alex Wright hitting a nice spin kick and clotheslining DDP out, then going over the top with the plancher. Misses a crossbody and hangs himself on the ropes. DDP hits a nice tilt-a-world side slam for a two. A sit-out powerbomb for a two before Alex Wright comes back with it a belly-to-belly for a two of his own. DDP goes for the diamond cutter once and it's blocked and then he does hit it from out of the corner and it gets a huge reaction for the one, two, three. This move is one of the most over moves in wrestling right now. We then see Mean Gene Oakland with Nick Patrick, who cuts a good promo, better than a lot of the wrestlers. I'll um, splice this in for you. And then just afterwards, you'll also hear a ad for some WCW clothing, a denim shirt for $50 shipped in 96. Jesus Christ on a bike. That is not cheap. He extends his body, Tony, and that's what puts the pressure on the neck of young Alex Wright. A lot of questions need to be answered by one Nick Patrick, and hopefully with those questions, we take you to Gene Okerlund right now. All right, I thank you very much, Tony Giovanni and Larry Zabisco. I'm here with referee Nick Patrick. Nick, I don't want to belabor the subject of uh, your integrity, but again, even in this match, I couldn't help but notice a little slow on the draw. A little slow on the draw. Well, why don't you watch it back on replay, just like all the other matches, all the other controversy that you have stirred up. You're the man that stirred it up. Now, you say there's controversial calls. If they're that controversial, why am I still here? They've all been reviewed by WCW. I'm still here. Randy Anderson, a couple of weeks ago, he blows a call with Hulk Hogan and uh, Ric Flair. You all over his case? No, you're on my case. You've been on my case awful hard, and I'm sick, and I'm tired of it, Gene Okerlund. You've been spreading lies about me, and I'm here to tell you to your face and to all you people out there, the things that you've been hearing about me are a lie. You're calling me a liar? That's exactly what I'm calling you. I am here to enforce the law. And that's what I'm going to do to the letter of the law. Doesn't matter how big you are or who you are. If you're in the ring with me, you better follow the rules. I think I've just been called a liar. Stay tuned. We've got more Nitro coming up after this. Don't go away.
WCW, but the big boys wear. American male, Marcus Alexander Pagwell, and these brand new stonewashed denim nitro shirts, they are exciting. I'll tell you what, they look great, they feel great, and the ladies love them. The ladies love them? I like it. Can I have that one right now? Right now. I like it. Let's do it. Get your Monday Nitro Blue Denim shirt for just $39.95. When we come back from the commercial featuring Gene after the promo from Nick Patrick with Gene, it's Gene with Harlem Heat. He's earning his money on this show. Um, I think it's about five or six different Gene Oakland appearances during this show. So, yeah, definitely well worth the money. This time he's with the Colonel and Sherry. They're not going out for Harlem Heat's match because Sherry's going to go to the Colonel's farm and he's bought her some presents, um, a leather vest and leather chaps for riding his horses. Fair enough. We go to that Harlem Heat match and they're taking on Greg the Hammer Valentine and Buddy Valentino. I've never heard of Buddy Valentino and I feel bad for Greg Valentine being thrown into a jobber tag team. Greg the Hammer is not an enhancement talent. I don't care how old he is. Like, yeah, job... I don't know. Anyway, it's just me. I just feel bad for him at this point. But I suppose he's still on national TV in 1996, and that's better than most of us would have expected. Ted comes out from the crowd. In the ring, um, we get a backbreaker from Greg, and then a Buddy Valentino dropkick. He's a big dude as well. Think like Buddy Roberts um, in the blow-away diet ads, and he gets up for a dropkick. Stevie Ray with a clothesline, a Booker T sidekick for a two. Tony Schiavone tells us that Mike Tanay will be joining the broadcast team uh, in WCW very soon. Uh, this evening, actually, and from now on. Stevie Ray with a slam and then a sidewalk slam. And then Booker T hits a Harlem hangover for the 1-2-3. Gene comes out to interview Harlem Heat. They cut a promo on the Nasty Boys who jump them from behind. And they leave Booker T laying with a spike pile driver in the ring as we go out to a commercial and see the Glacier promo for the first of two times tonight. When we come back, Mike Tanay joins the commentary team with the Hour 1 crew for Dean Malenko versus Chris Jericho. We get some chain wrestling and then a Northern Lights from Jericho, a spinning enziguri, um, then a spinning heel kick, a back suplex from Malenko and a brain buster. Ted gets up and leaves from the crowd. They, The commentary team, sorry, speculate that he might need the bathroom. Dean hits, um, hits, sorry, locks in a head scissors on the mat, and Jericho powers out of it and drops him with an electric chair drop. Malenko hits a double underhook suplex for a two and an abdominal stretch, grabbing the ropes while Nick Patrick isn't looking. Hits a bulldog for a two, and then Jericho comes back with a cactus crossbody, taking them both over the top rope. Chris Jericho with a springboard crossbody to the floor, and then a missile drop kick inside for a two. Malenko hits a tombstone for a two. Jericho hits a German for a two and a spin kick. He rolls through Malenko's German suplex attempt and locks in a roll-up for the one, two, three. This was a genuinely excellent match. One of the best TV matches I've reviewed in the history of this podcast. I don't get super excited too often, but this was really, really good. If you've not watched this Malenko-Jericho match, I actually suggest you go and watch it. Don't worry about watching the rest of the show if you're not interested in the NWO angle or mid-90s WCW, but go and watch this match. I'm not going to say it's an all-time classic because it's too short for that, but it is, it's got to be the best TV match of the year in 96. It's got to be right up there and probably one of the best TV matches of the 90s. That's how much I genuinely enjoyed this. So if you haven't watched this one, do yourself a favor, go and watch it after you listen to the rest of this podcast, because, you know, I need the, I need the ratings here, guys. <laughs> we get a video package on Ray and Super Callow. They'll be taking each other on at Fall Brawl, I believe, as we go out to another commercial. 
When we come back, we hear about Saturday night. It's going to be Mongo versus John Tenta. The Blue Bloods exploding. And Jericho and the Macho Man are both slated to appear. Brad Armstrong's taking on the Giant, who comes out with Jimmy Hart. Tony's foreshadowing the turn of the Giant coming up here a little too much. Oh, the diehard WCW fans are right behind the Giant as he he and the Macho Man are going to take on the NWO. It's like, mm, just chill out a bit there, mate. Armstrong hits a pair of drop kicks, and then Giant starts to beat the shit out of him, as you would expect. A limo pulls up outside. Giant gets um, Brad Armstrong up in like a choke lift and just drops him. And Tony Schiavone, it's almost like he's preoccupied with something. Again, foreshadowing. Get a missile drop kick from Brad Armstrong before Giant says, fuck this, and puts him in a choke slam for the one, two, three. We get an NWO vignette, but it's just Hogan this time, and it's just rambling. Um, not. I really prefer it when it's the three guys. I think they're on the money that they talked him out of doing wrestling promos, and when he's allowed to do it on his own, he's just, you know, the Hogan promo with an evil laugh mixed in, and it just goes for ages. We do the hour two swap over, thankfully not mid-match this week, and Mike Tanay will now also join Bischoff and Bobby Heenan. Bischoff tells us that this is the 53rd episode, so the official kickstart of year two. I actually think um, Shivani told us that at the start of the show, but I didn't clock it. Recap of the NWO last week again and the Ted DiBiase situation right now. We then go to Ron Studd taking on the Macho Man. This is a bit of a meandering pace early on. Studd takes the offense, but it's just clubs, a lifting choke. We see the NWO come out of a limo, um, and they tell someone, you stay in, don't get out. Stud hits a slam for a two, and then Macho Man hits an axe to the floor, a slam, and a top rope elbow for the one, two, three. Gene comes out and interviews the Macho Man. He cuts a bit of a promo on Hulk Hogan and again accuses the Giant of having dropped the ball as we go out to commercial. Our next match is Lex Luger and Sting taking on the Steiner brothers. The four horsemen go back to the limo, and it's empty. We go to a commercial before the match starts. When we come back in, they lock up, and Rick sort of pushes Lex off in the lockup. He gently bumps Nick Patrick, who sort of looks at him with disgust and immediately calls for the DQ. Um, what a bastard, and the crowd are not happy. They start a Patrick sucks chant. Um, was really looking forward to this one, so pretty annoyed about that, but it is what it is. We have another commercial, and when we come back, it's time for the Four Horsemen to take on the Dungeon of Doom, Big Bubba, Kevin Sullivan, the Barbarian, and Meng. Big face pop here for the Four Horsemen. Mongo hits a shoulder breaker, I'm sorry, a flying shoulder, and then he goes to come up the ropes and nearly falls off them backwards before coming off with an attempted stomp that just misses. We get a backdrop on Big Bubba. Benoit hits a German and a top rope headbutt. We see backstage Sting and Lex chasing out the... Us chasing out Nick Patrick, and they see Ted DiBiase get out of the limo. He jumps back in. Sting then throws a fucking brick through the window of the limo, and when it drives off, they steal a cop car from right under a cop's nose. What the fuck? Ric Flair hits three of the four members of the Dungeon of Doom back in the ring with low blows, and Bubba comes in and goes, nah, fuck that, and just gets back out. Eventually, the heels take over, and they beat on Arn Anderson for a while. A big story of the match is anytime Benoit's around, Sullivan's trying to get to him, whether either of them are legal or not. The heels work over Benoit for a bit, and Sullivan loves getting some licks in there. We've got a Barbarian power bam, power bam, power bomb for a two, and then Benoit and Sullivan finally get their hands on each other and start kicking lumps. 
a double-A spinebuster and an eight-man brawl. And then Flair's got the figure four on Kevin Sullivan, and Woman holds his hands for the extra leverage to get the pin on the one, two, three. I'm not sure how Ric Flair's arms being pulled back while he's got a figure four on with his legs are going to stop Kevin Sullivan rolling a shoulder, but that's what they went with. We then see the NWO come out and start beating on everyone, and then the Giant comes out, and similar to the Great American Bash, comes out but attacks the faces instead, chokeslams all the WCW guys, before Marchant Man runs out with a chair and gets three shots off before Hogan takes down his legs, and that allows the NWO to start beating on the Macho Man. He eats a chokeslam, and they paint NWO on his chest, and then a big yellow streak down his back. You might have seen this moment before. They go and take over the commentary booth once again. It goes back to another wild brawl when the faces come back, and eventually they just leave, and they trash the commentary set after running down WCW a little bit. Really chaotic ending here, and it felt like they needed to leave the faces laying or be run off, but kind of neither happened. When the faces came back to the commentary area to take them on again, why did no one else come out? Why didn't it really have an ending? They just eventually got sick of it and left. But it is what it is. Um, uh, it had a little bit of realism to it, but just really lacked an ending. But I guess they don't want the NWO to beat down everybody every week, and they really shouldn't be winning four on nine. So they kind of just went away from it here. The ratings on this one are going to be a little tougher than normal because I genuinely enjoyed both shows and watched them both pretty quickly back to back. The crowd, I'm going to give a tie. They were pretty hot for the Horsemen and, you know, excited for the NWO stuff, but they also were really into Shawn Michaels and really into Sid on the on Raw, so I went with a tie on that one. From here, though, I've got to be honest, WCW takes over. Their production, I'm going to give them this week just because they handled halftime so much better doing it in between matches. Characters... This is where having the big budget and the big roster really kicked in. Yeah, in the WWF, we saw Stone Cold, we saw Shawn Michaels, we saw Sid. But in WCW, we saw Sting, Lex, Flair, Hogan, Nash, Hall, Giant, Macho, Jericho, Malenko, they, DDP. They just had so many more stars on the show. Storyline, I went with the um, NWO, WCW stuff again. I felt like WWF definitely advanced Mankind and Shawn Michaels a little bit and had the start of the IC tournament, but Austin just getting cheaply DQ'd didn't exactly make that seem like a big deal. Match quality, I've got to go with WCW because as I raved and waxed lyrical about Jericho and Malenko, you can't go any other way. But the wrestling on Raw was quite decent as well. Overall, both shows were good this week, but WCW is just superior. And this is really why around this time they start to take over and become the dominant show. As a WWF diehard at the time, it really hurt that my company that's always been the biggest and the best wasn't considered that anymore. And I never strayed and watched WCW, but now looking back, if I'm being honest, shows like this show a huge difference. WWF's transitioning slowly out of its cartoony stuff, but it's still a little bit that way. You know, Goldust and Mankind aren't exactly true-to-life characters, even though I do enjoy both of those gimmicks. But in WCW, the hostile takeover, it's just so real and so well executed so far that you can definitely see why it took the interest of wrestling fans and brought things back to mainstream. Overall, that'll do it for today. Really did enjoy both these shows and would recommend you checking both of them out. But next episode, we do have them both back-to-back on a Monday, so I'm keen to see where that heads. And I'm very much looking forward to Fall Brawl and Mind Games. I know nothing about Fall Brawl 96, so interested to see how that goes. I get the impression the War Games match with the 
NWO being pinned in the cage is going to be bad, but I hope I'm wrong. Super Callow and Ray, I think, should be good. Harlem Heat and the Nasty Boys, I've no idea. Mind Games, I've obviously watched before, and the Mankind Shawn Michaels match is excellent, so... I'm hyped to be back in September of 96 here, and I'm very much looking forward to turning the corner into 97 and seeing the direction both companies go as we head in that direction. Thanks everyone for listening. I'll have a movie review coming your way very soon, as well as some more episodes with Duncan and some more on this timeline as well. Chat to you all soon.